What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. It's in the Scottish government's interest, not just to protect, obviously, public services, but also to show further divergence from the rest of the UK. It does show the sort of strain that the market is under this winter. The other factor playing into all this is Brexit. Neither political party will even contemplate relaxing EU migration. This is the elephant in the room, isn't it? Hello, you're listening to Bloomberg UK Politics. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Welcome to the programme. Caroline, we have good news and it's a Friday. Mm. Can you imagine? Yeah, this is about, of course, the strikes. That Apparently there is progress being made. The government offering a pay rise to nurses. There's the idea also uh, that trade unions for uh, in the education sector are speaking to the government. So perhaps there's going to be a breakthrough. There was nothing about pay for public sector workers in the budget. All has come in the days since then. Yeah, notably absent, which I suppose is, there's some questions to be asked around the timing there as well. So progress being made in terms of the health sector, in terms of teachers as well. Slightly less good news, though, if you're planning on going on holiday in the next couple of weeks, or at least the next couple of months. And that says the workers in the passport office um, could, are going on strike from April 3rd. That's in opposition to their proposed 2% pay rise. A uh, thousand members of the Public and Commercial Services Union, and that could cause long delays for passport applications. Uh, well, I you also have to think that the NHS strike, the strike of nurses, of ambulance drivers, junior doctors, that goes back all the way to the 15th of December. And this is the biggest strike action, these separate days that mm. they've undertaken in the history of the NHS. It's 1.2 million workers in the NHS. This is a huge, huge issue. Now we're almost coming to the end of March. Well, strikes that have been going on for much longer are on the trains. Uh, they're not quite done yet. So the RMT members that are voting uh, that are work for Network Rail that are voting on a pay offer. Uh, mm. That voting ends on Monday. There is another train operator strike due this weekend. But a note of uh, optimism from Mick Lynch from the RMT as well, saying that the end is in sight if pay offers improve. So perhaps some good news might come from there as well. Okay, so any startup businesses looking to do a strikes app to let all of us poor Brits understand what is on strike in which sector when, uh, perhaps that goes on hold. It's also actually the 150th day of the Prime Minister being in office. I think that's quite interesting. 150 days that he's been, uh, Rishi Sunak has been PM. And is it perhaps the start of a turnaround for Rishi Sunak as Prime Minister and for his administration as well? Well, our political reporter Emily Ashton joins us uh, on the show now. Emily, great to have you. Can we talk about some of these these deals or offers um, in terms of what's going on on the strike front? On the healthcare front, so we're talking about 1.2 million workers. They've been made an offer and they're going to vote on it. That's right. And it kind of came a bit out of the blue yesterday. I mean, they've been in talks for um, over a week, but they've been very cautious not to talk to anyone. So not much has leaked at all from those talks. So anyway, yesterday we heard that a deal has been reached, but it still means that the unions need to put that pay offer to their members. So that's where we are now. We're probably waiting a few weeks to hear back. But it sounds positive. Um, The government has uh, proposed a 5% pay rise for the next financial year. But 
crucially, a one-time bonus of 2% of salary for this year, plus an NHS backlog bonus. And that's worth at least £1,250 per person. And I think that's what the unions really wanted. So kind of recognition that pay for this year needed to rise as well. So that's looking positive. But as you say, um, and this morning, strikes do continue in other areas. But this morning, we do hear from the Department for Education that they are now in talks with education unions, um, with school strikes now suspended for two weeks. Um, and that's also positive news for working parents who are struggling to juggle everything at home. Um, so we'll see how those pan out. Yep, Emily Ashton, I count myself amongst those. Huge cheer from me. Um, Yeah, so look, it's nurses, midwives and ambulance drivers in England who've been offered that pay rise. And as you say, that kind of the the clincher seems to have been extra pay for this year. They did really seem very robust, the unions, in rejecting the idea that the government, you know, would only talk about pay for, for the following year. I mean, my question to you, Emily, I suppose, is going back to that idea that that this was a historic set of strike actions by healthcare workers in Britain, the government was always going to have to cave, wasn't it? Uh, Yes, eventually. I think what's been put to me is is that, you know, you can't automatically kind of roll over immediately in these things because negotiations are just that. They have to kind of meet in the middle somewhere. And I guess the problem is that if strikes just begin and the government offer them something... The danger is that strikes would just continue forever because the unions will think that well that's that, that's the way we get more money so we'll just always hold another strike. So there has they have I think the government would argue that it kind of had to hold on for a bit and kind of make sure that there was a compromise deal to be reached um, and that's what that that's the game they were playing. But you know obviously there's been political damage here. You know we've had months of strikes across multiple sectors um, and. You know, the general election is expected next year. So we'll have to see how that really plays out for Rishi Sunak's government. If people think that he's really not been in control um, of the public sector and that people, people's lives have just uh, been in chaos because of this, then, you know, he might be judged quite badly for that. Emily, are you hearing anything about the, the timing involved here? Because it seems like all of a sudden we had the budget and then all of a sudden there's progress in several areas uh, involving the public sector. Is there a sense that perhaps the, the, these things were being held over until the budget had already happened? It does It does have a feel like that. Um, I think all these things were being done behind the scenes and people say they take as long as they take. That's what the government sources were saying. But um, clearly it's, it's a great week for Rishi Sunak to be able to point to, look, we had our budget and then you can see how the media plan could be kind of set on Thursday, we'll have these headlines, and then on Thursday evening, we'll have these headlines. So it all kind of plays into a kind of narrative. So, yes, I could imagine that the timing has been quite um, well planned from the government on this, yes. Although the catch is, of course, it leads to this kind of vanishing budget, as it were. The more we look at it, the less there was in it. Yeah, and what was interesting in the budget is that public services were barely mentioned. Uh, by Jeremy Hunt, he kind of talked about strikes in one sentence, then moved on. And I think um, I think there was one union that, that said afterwards it was the, kind of the elephant in the room in the budget. You could talk about tax and um, you know changes on that front, but actually in the real world, public services don't work, infrastructure doesn't work. Then that's what really matters to people's lives. I think the big rabbit in the budget was clearly the childcare announcement. I mean, it leaked the night before. Um, but 
the government will be pleased with that. And I think the Conservative MPs are pleased to be able to go to constituents on the doorsteps and say, hey, look, here's something tangible that we can actually help you with. Um, uh, but the, you know, the problem with that is that it's actually not going to come in for a number of years in full. Um, but at least they can go into the election now with a proper offering on that because Labour clearly had a big offer up their sleeve as well. Well, speaking of, I mean, what does this mean for Labour if we have a, a string of an unusual in recent times, string of good news for the Conservative government? Um, is that going to put Labour on the back foot? Yeah, I mean, Labour, it, it's not been a great week for Labour in terms of childcare. They, they, had, they clearly wanted, they have been for a long time been kind of plugging this offer of childcare. But I spoke to Bridget Phillips and the Shadow Education Secretary just last weekend uh, last week, and she she wasn't able to put any more detail on it. And this is their problem that they're saving all the details until the bitter end. Um, but it, it kind of adds up to kind of a vague um, package of policies that um, it's it's more about the tone rather than detail at this stage. I think Labour won't be overly worried as a long time into the election. I think conference season will be quite pivotal with setting out much more detailed policies. Um, and, and, you know, and we'll see mm-hmm. how it all pans out. You know, the, the strikes, it's not all fixed yet. You know, a deal's been offered, but we're, we're not there yet. Emily, thank you so much for being with us. Our political reporter, Emily Ashton there. So taking us through the latest on the strikes. Well, let's check in on some of the latest polling around where the political parties are. The latest YouGov poll showing the Conservatives on 23% compared to Labour's at 45%. We've got Patrick English from YouGov with us to discuss. Hey, Patrick, great to have you with us. Look, we are talking about a week where things appear to have turned around uh, for the Conservatives. They had their budget. There's also now progress on the strikes issue. The polls, though, now this poll is taken, of course, before the budget, but they're still pretty dismal for the Conservatives. Yes, that's right. I would say that we can characterise the polling right now as being in a pretty stable position. And that stable position is one which very much benefits Labour. As we can see, they are still about 20 points ahead of the Conservatives. It's been that way really since the slight rebound that Rishi Sunak got for essentially not being Liz Truss or Boris Johnson. And the, the Conservatives have found it very, very difficult to cut through and cut really eat into that sort of that lead and get it below 20. And I think it's a very reflective of the deep damage that has been done to the Conservative Party brand over the past 12, 18 months. Mm, so goodwill is hard to earn and then easy to lose. Um, what yeah. about Rishi Sunak himself? I mean, some see him as a sort of new John Major, so somebody who might be capable of delivering a surprise general election win. Would you put him in mm. that camp at this point? Well, well, certainly, I think uh, we, while we're still probably about 18 months out from a general election, we have to entertain any possibility, including, of course, the Conservatives might pull it out of the bag. But there are many, many obstacles in the way, not least that 20 point lead that the Labour have. It's also the fact that Rishi Sunak, his personal ratings, rather than him pulling up the Conservative Party over the past few months, the Conservative Party Brown's pulled him down. So he's, he got less popular the more he was sort of in office as prime minister. Now, in recent weeks, we have seen that turn around. And I do think there are signs, there's enough in the polling data for the Conservatives to look at and say, well, perhaps we have a shot here. Perhaps if the economic situation does improve, as the LBR expects, we can sort of make this argument that Britain is being turned around under the leadership of Rishi Sunak. We can start bringing back those those huge numbers of Conservative 2019 voters who are telling us pollsters at the minute that they don't know who they vote for or they would not vote. Bring them back into the fold. Suddenly the Labour lead looks a lot less stable. We're talking something in the order of 10 points and it's game on for the election. But 
There's a lot of hurdles to overcome. There's trust issues. There's issues about uh, sort of the perception of incompetence. The British public don't think the Conservatives can handle the economy right now. And that's supposed to be their number one trading card. So very difficult pathway, but a pathway there certainly is. Was there anything in the budget this week that, based on the polling that you've done about the issues that are important to voters, that might actually convince more people to support the Tories? That's a very good question. I think the, the budget was was very much seen as a, a sort of a, a stable, don't rock the boat budget. And that appears to be how it's gone down with the public. Most of the people who we've asked when we say, do you think the budget was 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 good or bad, et cetera, et cetera, they tend to say neither or don't know. It's not really cut through too much. There weren't really any huge big policy proposals. I think there were some easy wins which they did take. So, for instance, extending the energy support scheme. If that was taken away, I think that would have been very costly and very bad move in the court of public opinion but maintaining that is certainly very popular 85 percent of people say that that's a good move that will help them out it's a good idea essentially keeping the fuel tax freeze again things that put more money in people's pockets to help pay the bills coming through their doors are popular policies and the conservatives made sure that those measures were in the budget and the rest and sort of the longer term things and changes to tax as well doesn't really cut through too much but i think some of the headline stories from the budget will have gone down quite well Overall, let's wait and see. Okay. Um, What about a pay deal then for public sector workers? There's an offer on the table for uh, healthcare workers, for nurses. Um, Teachers look to be now in these intensive negotiations with government. Mm -hmm. So is that something that could also turn things around? I think that, I think if there is a sense from the public that the Conservative Party are starting to deal with the issues that the public care about, i.e. the cost of living, getting inflation down, making sure that they can afford their essentials and getting the, the economy moving again, getting society moving again, get, getting the strike sorted out, that will help convince voters, particularly those who are floating at the minute saying they don't know who they vote for, that the Conservatives are back on track, that they are becoming once again the party that knows how to manage the country, knows how to manage the economy. And it will start taking the way perhaps concerns the conservatives are just pure chaos that can't manage anything and are more interested in fighting themselves and run the country which is certainly a strong perception among the British public right now so yes particularly if we look at nurses there's a very strong public push or public uh, belief that nurses should be given a fair pay deal teachers as well so we look across the board the public want these issues sorted out and generally supportive of a few of the sectors that are striking and if the government can do those deals I think the public will look at that quite favorably yes what about the issue around, you know, you, know, you, you talk about there, there being sort of the, the potential for a turnaround in perceptions of the Conservative Party. How easily could that be, lead be lost or that sort of indication be lost? I'm thinking about the start of the Partygate investigation with Boris Johnson. Is that the sort of thing that, that could, you know, further add to negative sentiment around the Conservative Party? Absolutely. This suggests there's also room for things to go down after they've gone up again, if indeed they do go up again. Look, right now, the public perception of the Conservative Party as a party is very, very, very low. And that, as we said, is dragged Rishi Sunak's ratings down a little bit. He's recovered somewhat. The Conservatives might have gone up a little bit in the polls, but certainly there is not a lot of love for the party brand right now. And anything that comes with that party brand attached is going to bring up these issues of Partygate, of a lack of trust, of economic mismanagement toward the back end of last year. And there's always a potential for something to happen along those lines again, which would undo any of the work that Rishi Sunak has has been putting in recently. So he, you know, he might be looking at an upward trajectory right now, but that could easily go straight back down again if we see something of that ilk over the next sort of 18 months, definitely. 
Okay, so the Conservatives really do not seem to be uh, bringing much to the table here. Then is Keir Starmer, are any of the lines from Labour cutting through to voters? At the minute, the, the public are very unsure on the Labour Party, but they're unsure in a more of let's see and let's test them out rather than unsure and that we don't really like them way in the others with the Conservative Party. So there's no great love for Keir Starmer and the British public. There's no great love for the Labour Party brand. They tend to poll in around about somewhere between a net of zero to 15. So they're in positive territory. There's more people in Britain who think that Keir Starmer is good than think he's bad. But it's, it's it's not exactly, we're not talking stratosphere. There are no, there are no uh, superstars in British politics right now. And certainly that's true of Keir Starmer and the Labour Party. So I think certainly the public have a, a, a general perception that Labour might have something to offer, particularly on the cost of living crisis, particularly on the sort of economic inequality issues. But in terms of convincing voters that they're ready to handle the economy, they're ready to handle the country, that they can be trusted on issues of national security, there's a long way for the Labour Party to go as well. Okay, Patrick English from YouGov, thank you very much for joining us with the latest on the polling around uh, both the budget and the perceptions of the parties as well after that busy week in politics. Now, with some progress then on resolving strikes in the UK and measures like freezing fuel duty and cutting duty on pints, is this the start of a turnaround for Rishi Sunak's government? Joining us now is the Labour MP, Rebecca Long-Bailey. Rebecca, great to have you with us. Look, this week's been dominated by uh, the budget and then the discussions around pay for public sector workers. It actually could end up being quite a good week for the government. Well, I mean, I wouldn't get out the champagne just yet. The budget should have done two things, really, and it's already starting to unravel. It should have insulated people from the cost of living crisis and tackled poverty pay in the process. And it also should have invested in industrial strategy to boost businesses and to reverse the declining living standards. And neither happened, really, to any great extent. Um, It was a day that many Britain's key workers were forced to strike over poverty pay and we heard little mention of how the government was going to try and resolve that. There was very little for those who were struggling with their energy bills, just a price cap freeze for three months, but no assurances that as wholesale energy prices fell that people's bills would actually come down. And even though there was a brief mention about industrial strategy, that's where it ended. There was very, very little detail at all. And even business organisations like the Federation of Small Businesses, for example, have said that the measures announced by the Chancellor were well wide of the mark and were irrelevant largely to the 5.5 million strong small businesses within this country. So it was a very disappointing budget, a time when we really needed to see bold levels of investment. What did you make of the move around pensions, which would uh, aimed, we're told, at trying to encourage more senior doctors to stay in the NHS? This is lifting the lifetime allowance, allowing people to put more into their pension to pay less tax when they take it out. Well, the Chancellor said it was aimed at doctors. However, it's going to benefit um, many of the wealthiest pensioners right across the country from bankers to lawyers and and you have to question why he felt that that was justified at a time when so many other people are struggling on poverty pay of very very low incomes and there was nothing in the budget for them at all so it's something that certainly the Labour Party will be pushing against next week when we debate that in Parliament. 
Uh, what do you make, though, of the 5% pay offer plus the bonuses for NHS workers? Uh, that uh, is going to be put to unions. And then also of these discussions with teaching unions. I mean, that is money in the pockets potentially of, of those workers. It does look like, you know, reasonably generous offer. Well, it's good that there are now discussions taking place. And, and what I will say is that it shouldn't have taken public sector workers to go on strike for the government to recognise how much they were struggling. Um, now, in terms of the nurses' pay offer, um, that's being put to union members as we speak now, and it'll be up to that workforce to determine whether they think that that's a fair offer or not. And the same will go for other groups such as teachers when they negotiate with the government. But what the government must recognise is that firstly, these workers were on strike because they couldn't afford to make ends meet. You had a situation, for example, in hospitals where many nurses were paid so little that they were forced to use food banks. But beyond that, public sector workers are striking because of the crisis in their sectors, the crisis in the NHS, the crisis in schools, the list is endless. And that's resulted as a, a, after 13 years of cuts and underinvestment in our key public services. They're literally on the point of collapse now. So it's not just about pay, it's about safety and the future of these sectors overall. So beyond the pay discussions, the government okay. has to inject much needed funding into these areas. Now, in his response to the budget, Keir Starmer did point out that many Labour policies are now being adopted by this government. Has Labour got enough left to distinguish itself from the Tories? Oh, well, we'll have a lot. Don't worry about that. And of course, the detail will be outlined before an election. But for example, the childcare policy that the Chancellor outlined, that's very welcome. And that's, you know, we were certainly asking for that um, in the last general election. But it's the delivery that's the question and the funding that goes alongside it to actually ensure that the wraparound care and the childcare provision is there. The childcare system is in crisis. We know that many nursery providers and childminders are struggling at the moment. We're struggling in terms of skills because people aren't paid um, what they should be paid within that sector because nurseries particularly are struggling with the funding that they receive from government. So unless we see the funding and a detailed delivery plan, I think it's all just rhetoric from the Chancellor. And he did set out that he expected it to happen by 2025, which I think we need to remember will probably be after the next general election. So uh, we'll see hmm. what happens. OK. Um, having said that, Britain's tax burden is basically at a post-war high now. I mean, handing more money out, um, and this is going to be a challenge whoever comes into government, in a country with an ageing population and post-Brexit is going to mean, actually, if we're realistic about the NHS and other public services, it's going to mean even higher taxes. Well, you know, this is about making reasonable choices. And what it shouldn't mean is for taxes to go up for the majority of people in this country and businesses who are struggling. But what it does mean is that tax should be imposed on those who can bear the greatest burden. So, for example, one thing I'd have hoped to have seen in this week's budget was a more robust windfall tax on oil and gas companies. We've seen billions of pounds reported in profits over recent months. Um, and they should have paid their fair share towards helping businesses and families through this energy crisis as bills continue to um, skyrocket. Equally, I think it would have also been prudent and fair 
to examine what we call a wealth tax on the assets and profits of the super rich. Because we're in an absurd situation in the UK where income from wealth is taxed at a lower rate than income from pay. And that can't be fair. And even groups such as Patriotic Millionaires UK, which are not a left wing organisation by any stretch of the imagination, they've actually been lobbying government to actually impose um, wealth taxes on the super rich. And they've claimed in their detailed proposals that at least £50 billion could easily fund a massive injection into our public services. So it's about the choices the government wants to make. And unfortunately, the choices made in this budget. They weren't very fair and they also weren't conducive to having a properly functioning industrial strategy that was fair for all businesses and all people across this country. Okay, today is the last day for submissions to Labour's National Policy Forum. That's part of the process that will design the party's manifesto for the next election. Are you making any submissions? I've not made a personal submission, no, but there's a number of ideas that, of course, I support and I think that we'd... uh, We'd be unwise not to take into the next manifesto. And my big thing was always industrial strategy and a green new deal, a green industrial revolution, because I think there's a huge opportunity to really boost our economy by investing in the technologies of the future. And that's not just about providing tax incentives for businesses and encouraging them to invest in R&D. The government has to put money on the table in order to achieve this as well. We're one of the lowest countries in the OECD. I think it's 27 out of 36 in terms of the amount that we invest in R&D investment in terms of public spend. And we can't compete on a global stage or expect to level up communities that have been underinvested in for decades if we don't have that long-term strategic view. So that's certainly mm-hmm. something that I'll be supporting in our National Policy Forum. Rebecca, thank you so much for being with us. That is the Labour MP, Rebecca Long-Bailey. Thank you so much for being uh, with us on Bloomberg UK Politics. Um, Just want to say a word on what we're expecting next week, Mm. of course, Boris Johnson uh, to face questions um, over the party gate uh, issue to the Privileges Committee. That is on Wednesday next week. It's going to be a big issue in in Parliament. Could it, after the relief that we've been talking about for the Conservatives this week, could that be what bursts the bubble? Perhaps some of the uh, questions, difficult questions being asked of the four former mm. Prime Minister there as well about what exactly happened during that. And of course, it brings the Partygate story back into the headlines, uh, which it has been uh, absent from for at least uh, the past couple of months as well. So that's definitely one of the major political events that we'll be watching out for next week. Well, that is it from us for today. If you like the programme, don't forget to subscribe. Give it five stars so other people can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen. This episode was produced by James Wilcock and Marufal Hussain was on sound. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. We'll be back with more on Monday. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg UK Politics. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.